just enough to give you the trees. I have many friends, many, many friends. All of my friends, so many. Steve, I see over here. Marco Rubio is a very, very good friend of mine. Tom Brady's a friend of mine. My friend Elton John. He's a reporter. A friend of mine who's in law enforcement. My best friends have become fire marshals. The generals have become very good friends of mine. My biker friends. A finger of you just enough until it's time to eat. You know, I have a friend. Big guy, one of the biggest in the world. He's a very, very substantial guy. Big league. Big league. Big league. Beat her, big league. Big league. Big league. And I think we're going to make it big league. Big league. Big league. And that's what's happened, big league. Big league. Big league. And we're going to win big league. Big league. Big the number is getting up that number is raising rising a large number it's a big number big big number a very big number bigger number than that big big league number a huge number a very significant number a very very high number some fairly vast number a staggering number a record number the finger of is just enough to give you the trees billions and 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 finger of is just enough to give you the trees finger of is just enough to give you the trees he said i had small hands actually i'm six three not six two but he said I had small hands. They're not small, are they? I never heard, I never heard that one before. I've always had people say, Donald, you have the most beautiful hands. But very small and neat, but very small and neat. Hello there, my equine encouragers. It's Chappie or British butler. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I think an equine encourager would have a good wardrobe, a good closet of jodhpurs. Now, I believe that the jodhpur could solve my varicose vein problem. I'm going to start wearing them. Maybe a nice cream jodhpur on a weekend, keeping those veins nice and tight and everything else. I think if Donald Trump, though, talking about equine encouragers, if Donald Trump was measuring a pony with his hands, it would be a Shetland pony. I don't know if Trump's over, if he's finished. Who knows, he's got this big announcement. I don't know if it's coming this week or something along those lines, but um, just a little compendium at the top of the show for you of Donald Trump's grace it hits, uh, punctuated with a fun- finger of fudge, a finger of fidge. A finger of fidge is just enough to give your boy a treat, or even a finger of fudge. It's lovely to be back in your arms, your podcasting arms, where you hold me close. We don't need a weighted blanket and we can share the podcasting and audio warmth the entire hour. Thank you very much for joining me. As I overlook the snow-tipped mountains yet again, it is frosty this morning. It's frosty. Now, I don't know if you're, like me, a creator. I see myself as a creator. And I'm walking along, doing my thing, whether walking the dogs, playing golf, rambling and rumbling around. And I'm taking notes. And I'm thinking, well... Maybe I should start using those fingerless gloves. Because I think we talked about this in the podcast before. That little felt tip on the end of a glove these days that's allowing you to swipe. It allows you to write things. It doesn't work, does it? The little bit of felt on the tip of the finger of the glove doesn't work. So I'm thinking I might go fingerless gloves. Is that a little bit too Wurzel Gummage though? Um, or maybe a Rag and Bone Man style? Because they're the ones that used to wear those uh, fingerless gloves. 
And, and how cold will your extremities of your fingers get with those fingerless gloves? I'm, I'm really considering it because it's, it's now at the point here in November in Colorado where I'm up and about at 6.30 in the morning, a uh, nice morning cup of tea, and I take the dogs out, and it is absolutely bitterly cold. And I need a glove. I need a hand warmer. I may even need a little hip flask of some requirements. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're having a lovely weekend. Uh, now, somebody did come and take that stained couch I was talking about. Uh, so this is like the live stream of Chappie seeing what's going on outside the window. And, uh, you know, obviously talking in the third person as well. Chappie sees somebody taking away the stained couch. And it was. It was stained right down the middle. I thought for a second I might sort of uh, prop that on my back and uh, maybe get some sort of lever system going and uh, lift that up onto my balcony. But no, 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 massive stain there. But somebody did took it away. And you're thinking, well, was it Steptoe and Son? Who took away the stained couch? Now, this ma- this uh, this fellow was dressed quite reputably, and uh, he, he attached it to the side of his truck, and maybe he thinks with some Mr. Stain, Mr. Stain some OxyClean, and some good old-fashioned scrubbing, he could get that rather nasty protein stain out. But, I mean, somebody looked like they possibly, um, well, could be sneezed, could be cleaning their teeth, or um, some, something else, potentially, potentially. Uh, anyway, it's going to take some, uh, it's going to take some good old scrubbing action to get that off, but it's gone. It's now gone, and we're completely clean. No couches here. Uh, you know, sort of thinking about going into the fly tipping industry myself because there's some rather nice things going into that, uh, into that tip here. And uh, you know, you, you can recycle. You know, you can start making lamps out of all sorts of different things, can't you? I mean, the Gen Zs, the Millennials, don't have this sort of Gen X baby boomer endeavour, do they? Because they didn't grow up on Blue Peter, where Blue Peter at this time of year, well, maybe in a few weeks, when the Advent calendar started. You had a wire coat hanger, and mother used to say never use wire coat hangers. They make their clothes, they make holes in the clothes, but you can use uh, wire coat hangers as some sort of basic advent calendar. Now, uh, this is where the candles are holding uh, the, the, the various rungs. So I think Blue Peter had maybe three rungs of the advent calendar for the three weeks preceding to Christmas, and you put a candle on there, it was balanced and attached to the coat hanger. And, uh, I mean, everybody hoped that it wouldn't fall down and catch fire to the tinsel that could probably make the whole of BBC Television Centre go up in smoke. But we had that sort of endeavour, didn't we? We used toilet rolls and the, uh, the, you know, the cardboard roll at the end. We didn't just give it to the dog to devour. We actually used it and we, uh, we, we actually made a, a perfect uh, Nelson-era telescope that, that worked very, very well. You could, uh, you could see your neighbor and you're all together, and then you could see Halley's Comet going past, and there's a reference. We're not going to see Halley's Comet again uh, for another 50 years or so, but in 1986 there was Halley's Comet, and you could see it, Blue Peter Telescope. Today we may or may not be talking about these subjects, but here's a, here's a recap from Friday's edition of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. I dreamt that Elton John gave me a lift. I hitchhiked. Elton John was my uncle. He gave me a ride, but he dropped me off too early and I had to walk home in the rain. I think he had some sort of uh, diva fit or something along those lines. We talked about Christmas pudding crisps or chips. 
Uh, also, we also found out what your posh girl name would be. Um, it, it wasn't Lady Devashisham, Devashisham, Lady Devashisham. No, you, we've discovered your posh girl name, uh, and I think mine was uh, Tarquin Woolworth or something along those lines. Uh, chewy Oaty Milk. There's a certain, uh, there's a certain like, you, know, you have to get your mandibles around oat milk. There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of give in the milk. And a little bit of oatiness that makes you have to chew it. We talked about that as well. Somebody couldn't stop gangster rap playing during a Zoom meeting the other day. Um, and um, yeah, that, that was basically the show. I, I tell you something, I'm not really selling it, are you? You probably don't want to go back and think, well, you know what? This edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese is amazing. Maybe I'll go and listen to Friday's edition. Yeah, I'm not really upselling it. Uh, you're probably thinking about possibly cancelling your subscription and I, and I understand I understand why you would do that but you just give give me one more chance and I promise you you'll have a good time in America the other day we we're all putting on lottery tickets like incredible amounts of money I, I queued for half an hour last week to put money to win the I think it was 1.9 billion at the time it went up to 2.1 billion then somebody in California won it but I was thinking though firstly um, would they even allow a British man to win uh, win the lottery? I mean, I'm here uh, legally, of course, but uh, but they allow a British man to win the lottery. And I'm not talking about the rules and regulations. Would the general public, if they found out that a British man had won the lottery and he went to collect the lottery check dressed as King George uh, in full red coat, uh, full uh, full sort of um, military regalia, um, and uh, and a white powdered wig? And probably a, uh, a sort of, uh, you know, misshapen beauty spot uh, just below uh, the right-hand side of the nose or something like that. That was also powdered. I mean, all of it was, all would be powdered. And I came in a coronation carriage drawn by uh, four or five white chargers. And, uh, and I went to say, you know, hand over the money, peasants. Come on, we're going to have a party again. You pilgrims. Uh, you get bugger off, will you, you pilgrims? Yes, you know, you, you fun haters. We're going to have a big old party. We're not going to remember what happened the next day. And you're going to bloody love it and not go to church the next day, anything like that. So, I mean, I, I, I imagine that my head would probably be on a gibbet or I could be made into a Christmas pudding. They, they would, they would uh, mash up my head, uh, everything, gore and brains and all of it. Uh, mix with some brandy and I would become a, a Christmas pudding or something like that. Whatever pilgrims eat. I'd become a pumpkin pie, probably. I'd become a slightly tastier than normal pumpkin pie because, uh, yeah, let, let's just face it. Yeah, pumpkin is, is, is like boiled vegetables and it tastes a little bit like a slightly fancier turnip. And I love a turnip. I love a roasted turnip. But that's what pumpkin pie turns out. And that's what would happen if I went to collect the money uh, dressed or possibly in a tiara, a twinkling tiara, uh, I would probably be ousted and never to be seen again. Have you noticed on Twitter, a lot of celebrities and non-celebrities as well put up pictures of creepy crawlies, snakes, things they see out in the field whilst they're doing their hiking. And uh, let me remind you that hiking equals walking. People say, I'm going on a hike. No, you're not. You're going on a leisurely walk. Unless you're up a mountain here, unless you're up at Kilimanjaro or uh, in the foothills of the Himalayas, 
that, that, that constitutes a hike, I think. But no, the general walking, um, even if you're wearing, even if you're wearing lighter and trainers, that doesn't really count as a hike, people. And if you think that the lycra is dressing to impress, you'd be horribly mistaken. Because it's not. It looks bloody awful. Only a few people can get away with wearing lycra. And uh, I'm definitely not one of them. But if you see people put on Twitter, they put... So I saw one the other day, they put a, a picture of a spider up there. And uh, these are some of the comments. So it's a, it's a nasty, looking, uh, nasty looking spider with a red bottom, had uh, black and white legs, uh, pincers, mandibles, everything else as well. And they're saying, well, that one's probably not fireproof, possibly the last one you'll ever see, a scary one. That, my dear, is being kind to you. It's from the family of Don't Touch and the uh, genius of Get the F Out. It looks like what they call a jumping spider. I grew up in Arizona. They're hard to catch and get it out of your house, but I don't think they're poisonous. One you just leave alone, it's eating other nasty bugs. My favorite, that is an oh damn spider. It was given the title by a zoologist who first discovered that he was examining another bug when the spider jumped out of nowhere, did a 360 kick flip to a quad, half hill, smoked a joint and flipped the zoologist the bird. His response was, oh damn. So I'm going to put my name forward as a replacement for Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, at Sandringham this year. I think I'm going, I would be a perfect replacement because they are now uh, people persona non grata, aren't they? So reuniting with the Prince and Princess of Wales in the wake of Queen Elizabeth II's death, it seemed though that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle were finally making peace with their fellow royal family members but it appears the fab falls windsor walkout has far healed the rift and the palace gets ready to release the prince harry's tell-all memoir next year a uh, source tells heat magazine which obviously heat magazine is in the know that the sussexes will have to find themselves uh, another type of Christmas. There will not be Royal Christmas celebration for them this year. Harry won't be sending the family or any of advanced copies of the book. He's not in a position to anyway, since the publishers want to keep it under wraps. He probably doesn't even know what's in the book. Um, but already very obvious to all the parties that Charles, Camilla, William and many other members of the firm are going to find huge chunks of it and the content highly offensive. And it's not just the book that's threatening to rock the boat. The source continues. There's the Netflix documentary just around the corner coming right after the last series of The Crown and all the backlash that's received is just too much. So the palace has gently suggested that this year Harry and Meghan stay and enjoy their tofu turkey in Montecito, 6,000 miles away. Harry and Meghan will have to try to dress it up. Well, not the turkey, but themselves. Dress up the decision as a huge snub. The bottom line is they'd be banned from Christmas. This is where I think that I could probably take over. Um, I mean, they're also, I mean, is Prince Andrew allowed for Christmas this year? I mean, I rather think that his goose is probably cooked and stuffed and uh, the skin is over crispy and probably burnt at this point in time. I did t speak to Prince Andrew and I'm not, not very proud of it. But one year at Sandringham, I did tell him that my mother was at home basting the turkey. Now, he's basted many turkeys. Some of them probably too young to be basted. And uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's, a, he's definitely persona non grata, but he will be uh, probably having the scraps of the table. He'll be sitting uh, with a leash on at the end of the table, 
with uh, with the Queen's uh, two surviving corgis and uh, maybe odd scraps. He might get a pig in a blanket, um, but that's the only blanket he's going to get. He's going to be out there in the cold in the doghouse, definitely. But I can bring my fabulous Yorkshire puddings. They're not Aunt Bessie's. They're my own. I put hot goose fat into the Yorkshire pudding. That's the key. Hot fat into the Yorkshire pudding mixture and into the trays. I could bring that and make it... I mean, they, maybe they won't allow Yorkshire puddings, but I think you need a little bit of Yorkie with your uh, Christmas dinner, don't you? And for the parlour games, I make an excellent Colonel Mustard and Cluedo. Really, really good. I'll bring my own monocle, have my own tweed. There's no need for, uh, there's no need for you know, any expense spared or anything along those lines. And I promise I will not steal the silver penny outside of the Christmas pudding. I haven't seen a good scarecrow in years. Probably since the days of uh, John Pertwee and Wurzel Gummidge. Uh, but apparently my father has built a scarecrow. It's right on the uh, edge of the property. And uh, it's got one of my grandfather's Wallace's old green coats. Uh, one of my dad's old, uh, old trilbies. It's a tweed trilby that's probably uh, soaked in sweat and grease from years of outdoor gardening labor. Uh, I'm sure it's got a, a pair of Wellingtons as well. And the hands flap in the wind to scare away all of those nasty crows. I do love a scarecrow, don't you? Reminded of scarecrows, that Kristen Stewart, rather odd movie about Princess Diana at Sandringham in 1998, where she's driving a Porsche from London, gets lost, a couple of farmers show us the way, and then she actually sees that um, there's a scarecrow in the field and it has her father's uh, old red barber is wearing old red barber and it's very very nostalgic and I feel that I will feel the same way and, and, the, and the scarecrow isn't called Wurzel the scarecrow is called Horace and uh, I, I feel I'll get the same sort of nostalgic feelings when I see this scarecrow uh, and it's probably wearing a nicer coat than I'll be wearing uh, come crimbo season so we had our posh girl name, find your posh girl name. Yeah, but I think mine was probably, I think, Tarquin Woolworth. Now, this is how you find your American polit politician's name. Last word you sent in a text, your actual first name, last thing you bought, and add the third. Lots of love. So these are some of the responses. Open Max, High Chair the third, Butler Stephen Cookie the third, <laughs> Joshua Wheelchair the Third sounds like the patron saint of Scope. Uh, Layla Dartford Tunnel Charge the Third. Stephen Petrel the Third. Uh, Jamie Loaf the Third. Pioneer Gary Gimble the Third. Scraps Thomas Payne Orazon the Third. If you're curious, mine is Darling Chappy Thermo Gloves the Third. So we like to go in the land of the Bizarro for our news here on Keep Calm and Call of Loud Cheese. Keeping it very, very light. Well, the food's not light. The food's carb-laden and going to give you uh, probably bellyache for the next two days. That's what I've had over the last couple of days, and I've rediscovered the wonders of Gaviscon. A restaurateur in Kentucky who spent almost a year posing as a dead body on TikTok has landed his dream role on CSI Las Vegas. Josh Nally has no acting experience, but shared 300 videos of himself sprawled on the floor, slumped in a car and lying face down on a bridge in an attempt to catch the eye of Hollywood producers. 
the hard work has paid off and he'll make his small screen debut in an upcoming episode as a corpse, not surprisingly. A teaser trailer from the program showed Nally, whose videos have attracted more than 4 million likes on TikTok, lying on a coroner's table while special effects artists paint stitch marks on his torso. Nally said the Louisville Cour- Courier-Journal, I don't like speaking on camera, but I can lie there and act like I'm dead. It seems like he's been lying down on the job. Um, having done more than 300 of these posts, I progressed. At first, you see me breathing or the fake blood look really, really bad. I'm getting rid of, getting rid of any blood that's, uh, and have gotten better at holding my breath. However, he was flown to California. We met the director and accepted the role. Nally has spent two days undergoing makeup for his appearance on CSI and has had to lay as still as possible for three or four takes to film the scene which is broadcast in November. Nally has received offers to play corpses in music videos and low-budget films, said he's inspired to pose as a corpse by another TikTok user. Let me think, though. In the world of Hollywood, do you have to be a good-looking corpse? Because Nally isn't a particularly attractive corpse. Now, I mean, he has stitching, he has blood all over him, but you think even the corpses on CSI generally look quite attractive. And I don't know if you, there's anything you can do to polish up this, uh, this cubic zirconia to look like a diamond, if you know what I'm saying. I also wonder, though, do you think he's ever fallen asleep whilst on the uh, coroner's table and started snoring? So I have an etchings book right by my bedside table, also known as the iPhone, and I take notes whilst I, uh, not while I sleep. Well, sometimes you think listening to the podcast, I take notes and come up with ideas for the podcast whilst I'm asleep. No, 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 no. But last night I made a note, and I can't really remember the context here. It was basically, I don't know if I was dreaming, it, it was thinking about the cost of living crisis, and it was take clothes off, to save energy so I mean why are you taking clothes off to save energy because you want to remain warm if you have your clothes off and you haven't got a uh, ready and willing uh, warm toasty partner uh, you're gonna get cold I, I don't know I can't remember the context of why I said take clothes off to save energy we're gonna put that to one side uh, answers on a postcard to Chappy Towers if you come up with any ideas why I would even think about that during uh, maybe realms of insomnia or narcolepsy or something along those lines. But I was very impressed with myself yesterday. So I have an apartment that has a lot of dog hair. I mean, I've got a corgi that sheds a lot, then a border collie that is basically a teddy bear with its stuffing coming out. That's how much her fur goes around. And I was vacuuming, you know, giving a vigorous vacuum uh, of the bed, of the, you know, the carpet. And there was a bit of hair, quite a bit of hair. And it got stuck. And then smoke started coming out of the uh, vacuum cleaner and uh, smell of rubber. And I was thinking, well, you know, I'm going to YouTube this. I'm going to guide myself and YouTube this. So I found the YouTube video. It told me which screws to take out. I mean, many people say I probably have a screw loose anyway. But I took the screws out of the vacuum cleaner, uh, you know, undid the, the carousel or so to speak, and I found that the, uh, yeah, it, it, too much stress had been put on the, uh, on the, on the rubber band, and uh, it burnt up. So now I know that I have to replace the rubber band, so I screwed everything back on, the vacuum's working fine, but the wheels are not turning, if you know what I'm saying. The wheels are not turning. 
but I'm very, very impressed with my uh, my DIY efforts. I sort of pat myself on the back because I am very, very hopeless when it comes to anything. You give me uh, an IKEA table to put, to put together and I'll tr start trying to put it together without any of the instructions for a start. And then I figure out that I, my thumb is actually screwed to the table. So the randoms on Twitter saw a picture of this rather large porker lying on a dog bed. Uh, hello, neighbours. I think this is this is actually off uh, Neighbourhood Watch or whatever it's called. Uh, this morning, our pet pig will be having her hoofs trimmed. It's not her favourite, and such she'll be making some pretty wild sounds. Just wanted to warn everybody in case they hear what they think is an animal being harmed at 10.30 to 11 this morning. It's just Pancetta making a point of annoyance. Picture for attention. Uh, and then an elderly couple in church, wife turns to husband and says, I've just done a silent fart. What should I do? Husband says, put new batteries in your hearing aid. So all you expats listening, I don't know if you're like me. Maybe if you're in hot climes, you miss the festive sandwich, the Christmas sandwich. And I want to read this to you. And if you're not drooling at the end, if you don't need a bib on by the end, then there's something wrong with you. Marks and Spencer's reveals six Christmas sandwiches that are in the shops now, including new additions to 2022. Marks and Spencer's have revealed a new festive sandwich range, including a brand new Christmas club. Marks and Spencer's shoppers can pick up the food. I mean, I was on the American uh, Marks and Spencer's USA trying to get myself a sandwich sent over here. I mean, freeze-dried packing, uh, dry ice. I mean, would that help the sandwich on its trip over the Atlantic? Even if, it was, even if it was a couple of weeks old, I'd probably still eat it. 12 new launches and 17 returning favourites. Among the new additions is the Christmas Club Sandwich, which has a jaw stretching 12 layers, including roast chicken, maple bacon, cranberry chutney, stuffing and gravo mayo. The uh, Turkey Feast Sandwich... Is, is, is back again and expects to sell 1.2 million between now and Christmas. There's a whole host of size joining the collection and some festive drinks as well. Better still, 5% of the sales from the festive food on the move range is given to the charity shelter. Also making a comeback is the naughty, the naughty spice turkey feast roll. Yes, go and have a roll, have a naughty spicy roll which is a brioche roll packed with turkey breast, hot cranberry sauce, spicy uh, chizuro style pork stuffing, and creamy... See, I'm, I can't even say this. I'm like dripping with, dripping with saliva here. And creamy red cabbage. The pig and bl blanket sandwich is also made of pork sausage, gravy mayo with sage, ruby port, red onion, chutney on malted brown bread. But there's no meat from... There's no meat alternative. There's no turkey feast, which is a turkey alternative of pea and wheat protein with bacon, bacon noir, cranberry chutney. That's not, that's sort of vegan bacon. So the other day, I don't know what it is. Why do Americans hate the English peas so much? And that's not like a, a euphemism or what they call us English, English peas. Uh, but no, my girlfriend hates peas. So not feeling very well after the COVID shot, I thought I'd bring her over some nice uh, orange chicken rice and there's mixing vegetables, but she saw the peas and immediately did not want to eat the meal. I don't know. I don't even know if she would eat this. Uh, <laughs> she would eat this festive sandwich. 
But if you're looking for a winter warmer option from M&F's, you can grab the turkey feast. That's turkey and ham toasty, complete with sage and onion stuffing, uh, emmental, cranberry chutney on toasted sourdough. Delicious. They're also selling the caramelized cookie cut mince pie with brown butter cookie dough pastry packed with mincemeat and topped with a cookie dough pastry lid. Now that sounds pretty good. I, the other day, I didn't go for the mince pie at Cost Plus World Market. I was going to buy myself a dozen mince pies and I'm thinking, you know what, I'm going to wait for Mother's Mince Pies. Nothing beats the crumbly, delicious taste of Mother's Mince Meat Pies. Absolutely fabulous. So I'm going to wait, I'm going to hold fire, I'm going to hold on to my haunches, quite literally, until I get to try Mother's Mince Pies once again. A quick ode to Ronnie Corbett. For some time, my wife had the ridiculous idea that I'm playing too much golf. Actually, it came to a head about 11.30 last night. She suddenly shouted at me, Golf, golf, golf. All you ever think about is bloody golf. And I'll be honest, it frightened the life out of me. I mean, you don't expect to meet somebody on the 14th green at that time of night. Over the last week, there's been many odd sightings in Taunton and Somerset. Earlier this week, there was an alleged UFO sighting in the town where mysterious lights could be seen from local residents' homes. In the end, it turned out to be a local school preparing for an end-of-term performance. Yesterday, Max Walker, who plays cricket for Somerset, noticed something very bizarre in the heart of the town centre. Towards the end of the Hammett Street, a local woman could be seen walking a banana on a lead in the direction of 4th Street. Is un- well, hopefully it's not Foreskin Street or Banana Skin Street. It's unclear why the woman was randomly walking through the town centre while walking the piece of fruit, but to say it was a brave of her to do so, considering how busy it is. And you don't want to be a nush- m- mushed-up nanny, do you? He tweeted, only in Taunton can you walk a banana in a lead and it all seems normal. What's the issue? She obviously had to split. The star signs most likely to win the lottery, Sagittarius, Latvian archer ruled by the gift-bestowing, cup-filling, dice-throwing, more-is-more planet Jupiter, there is a natural ease and abundance to the Sagittarius disposition. Sagittarius, Foca, optimistic, incarnate, and they're such unafraid to bet big and risk it all. Their boldness is regularly rewarded with boons from the lotto gods and narrow escapes from dire straits. The wonderful thing about these windfalls is that the fire sign loves to share and squander, spreading the wealth in the form of racing ponies, airline tickets, picking up the tab for the entire bar, putting dollar bills in G-strings and coffee cups. Fun fact, Shirley Jackson wrote that the haunting story, The Lottery, was herself an archer. Capricorns, luck comes late to Capricorns as they often endured difficult childhoods full of hard knocks, institutional lighting, oppressive overlords, no toys, punishing standards, and not enough vitamins. Let suffering breed strategy and a keen eye for observation and weakness opportunity. The most industrious of earth signs see Uh, Sea goats learn to make their own luck and stretch and save their winnings, ensuring any property they find is given ample room to proliferate. This means lying about winning the lottery, keeping coupons in their imported leather wallets, deceiving the IRS and never taking a vacation. And then Pisces. 
Back before Dream Daddy Neptune was discovered and deemed the ruling planet of Pisces, the people of the fish were lorded over by Lucky Jupiter. At their most clear, Pisces folk border on the clairvoyant. If they can resist altered states and inference of emotion, no sign is more primed to receive psychic guidance and divine downloads. This messaging can take the form of ghost whispers, lucid dreams, coffee grounds, and even winning numbers curved out of the pubic hair in their bathtubs. If you want to win a man, though this is not a competition, it's a gentle hint. Cheese makes a man feel great. So use a little cunning, serve a man cheese, and win his heart. Cheese is his man food. And also, renting a boyfriend. There's several Thanksgiving packages on Instagram. The silver package, $75 plus a plate, two hours of dinner, matching outfits, and tell a few jokes. The gold package, $150 dollars plus a plate three hours of dinner cute backstory on how we met details about what i do for a living and calling your dad pops and the platinum 350 dollars plus a plate plus a to-go plate as well uh, all day tell you i love you in front of the whole fam kiss your mum on the cheek and help clean up after dinner and bringing the marigolds so very british problems official has a new quiz book out this year and this is from one of the pages so do you uh, is this petrol station or cheese why fanny but change your green dovedale cheveley duddleswell swarsdale michaelwood chanock richard hereford hop lee delamere responses in meetings that mean your idea went down badly anyway um have a think Anyone else want to jump in? Let's leave that, um, yeah, let's park that for now. What else would we do? Definitely an idea. Could do. I just worry that might not work. Let's regroup. Shall we come back to that? Interesting. In this time of year, start banting around this conversation. What do you want for Christmas? Oh, don't worry about me. The time of year when you go to the supermarket for essentials and leave with 15 mini Kievs, uh, 12 mini burgers, 18 pork belly bites, and a box, another box of mince pies. Keep your driverless cars, your flying cars, your AI, your metaverse, your robot butlers, your day trips to Mars. All I want in the future is a duvet that changes its own cover. When female octopuses feel harassed, they throw objects at males, courting them, a behaviour previously seen only in mammals. Researchers in Jervis Bay in Australia notice a species known as a gloomy octopus uses its tentacles to gather up missiles. It then drops them while emitting a jet of water from a siphon just below its eye, which blasts the material towards its target. At first, the scientists were not sure whether the octopuses were deliberately throwing things at each other, but when they saw the female shooting armfuls of silt I, I nearly read that as something else then. Uh, at a male trying to mate with her, she hit him five times as she prepared to target him. He ducked as he went towards her octopusy. We were surprised to see the behaviour and have spent a long time trying to work it out, says Professor Peter Godfrey Smith of the University of Sydney. Uh, author of the study of Who Wrote Other Minds, The Octopus, The Sea and the Deep Origins of Consciousness of the Occupy. He and his colleagues have concluded that the octopus is the only non-mammal known to launch projectiles at each other, <laughs> own species. 
Well, I mean, when male and female humans get into fights, they often throw each other, but it's not silt. The debris is not a weapon in any other normal sense, and I doubt that it throw anything of real harm to another octopus, even when shells are thrown. But some of them appear to be targeted and do want to hit other octopuses. To throw their missiles, octopuses must move their siphons into an unusual position. Maybe the wheelbarrow position, or the downward dog. A first hint is that the behavior is deliberate. They can change the color of their skin with darker tones associated with aggression. The researchers found that the darker individuals threw more forcefully and were more likely to hit other octopuses. About 9 out of 10 throws were at females rather than males, and about half occurred when two or more octopuses were interacting during mating attempts. About 1 in 6 hit each other octopus. The other researchers were able to video 102 throws. In two cases, they hit the fish, and 12 were directed at the stationary camera. Come on, baby. Hit me with your rhythmic tentacle stick. Thank you so much for joining me in my bullshine boudoir for another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. If you like this podcast, and some of you do, uh, I mean, some of you have been using your pointy witch-like fingers to like and subscribe to the podcast. And you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. Spotify is an audio version. Uh, you can listen on uh, Pandora, Amazon Music, Audible, Slacker, Breaker, almost everywhere. Now, as an octopus is tossing its silt everywhere you can sometimes hear keep calm and call of our cheese emanating from that sandy ocean bed if you like music though you can listen to keep calm and call of our cheese and have music in between in fact you can mute me and just listen to the music and this week we have such wondrous delightful tunes some real tunage some village people, YMCA, some Hole of the Moon, Water Boys, Good Time Chic. A little bit of Christmas in there, 2,000 miles. We have some uh, Deadbeat Club. As always, some Lennon and indeed some McCartney, some Ian Jury and the Blockheads. Hit me with your rhythm stick or your tentacle stick, as I like to call it. And finishing off, sailing off into the sunset with a lovely bit of yacht rock. Coming up next, we have a poem. A shepherd's November, the landscape sleeps in mist from morn till noon, and if the sun looks through, tis with a face beamless and pale and round, as if the moon, when done the journey of a nightly race, has found him sleeping and supplied his place. For days the shepherds in the fields may nor mark a patch on the sky, blindfold they trace the plains and seem without a bush or a tree, whistling around by guests to the flocks that cannot see. The timid hare seems half it fears to lose, crouching and sleeping neath its grassy lair, and scarcely startles though the shepherd goes. Close to by the home and the dogs barking there, the wild colt only turns around to stare. It passerby, the napses hide again, and moody crows beside the road forbear to fly pelted by the passing swain. Thus day turns to night and tries to wake in vain. The owlet leaves her hiding place at noon and flaps her grey wings to the doubling light. The horse jay screams to see her out so soon, and the small birds chirp and startle with affright. Much doth it scare the superstitious white, whose dreams of sorry luck and sore dismay, while cowboys think the day a dream of night, 
and oft grow fearful of their only lonely way, fancying that ghosts may wake and leave their graves by night. Yet but a while the slumbering weather flings its murky prison round, when winds wake loud, with sudden stir the startled forest sings, winter's returning song. Cloud races cloud, and the horizon throws its shroud, sweeping a stretching circle from the eye. Storms upon storms in quick succession crowd, and oh, the sameness of the purple sky. Heaven paints with hurried hand, wind hues, and every dye. At length it comes along the forest oaks, with sobbing ebbs and uproar gathering high. The sacred horse raven on its cradle croaks, and the stock dove flocks in hurried terrors fly. While the blue hawk hangs over them in the sky, the hedger hastens from the storm begun to seek a shelter that may keep him dry and foresters low bent the wind to shun, scarce here amid the strife the poacher's muttering gun. The ploughman hears its humming rage begin and hides for shelter from his naked toil, buttoning his double closer to the chin, he bends over and scampers o'er the elting snow. While clouds above him in wild fury boil, and winds drive heavily the beating snow and rain, he turns his back to catch his breath a while, and ekes the speed and faces it again, to seek the shepherd's hut behind these rushy plain. The boy that scare from the spy wheat, the melancholy crow, in hurry weaves beneath an ivy tree, his sheltering seat of rushy flags and sedges, tied in sheaves or from the field, a shock of stubble thieves, where he doth dithering stay and entertain his eyes with making the storm-driven leaves off spying nests where he spring eggs had taken, and wishing his heart twas summertime again. Thus wears the month along in checkered mood, sunshine and shadows, tempests loud and calms. One hour dies silently over the sleepy woods, the next wakes loud with unexpected storms. A dreary nakedness, the field deforms, yet many a rural sound and rural sight lives in the village, still about the farms, where toil, rude uproar, hums with morn till night, noises in which the ears of industry delight. At length the stir of rural labours still, and industry her care a while forgoes, when winter comes in earnest to fulfil his yearly task at bleak November's close, and stops the plough and hides the field in the snows, when frost locks on the stream in chill delay, and mellows on the hedge the jetty slows, for little birds then toil have time to play, and nought but threshers flails awake. The dreary day. We're back with another dastardly duo of podcasts. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I hope you have a lovely week and until next time. Cheerio. He's a very, very substantial guy. Big league. Big league. Big league. Beat her. Big league. Big league. Big league. And I think we're going to make it big league. Big league. Big league. And that's what's happened. Big league. Big league. Big league. And we're going to win big league. Big league. Big league. But very small and neat. But very small and neat.